Please remain standing for the reading of the scripture, which is found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, in your pew Bibles on page 1518. However, I'm going to be reading from the NASB version, and I'll explain why shortly. Hear the word of God. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, do you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Do you want us to then go to gather them up? But he said, No, for a while you are, while you are gathering the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And then in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. So, I read from the NASB because it uses a particular word that the NIV and many modern translations don't use, and it's not a problem, but the one I read from uses the word tear instead of weed. And the reason I chose that is because a tear is something specific. It is a plant that looks very much like wheat, We've probably seen it. We've probably seen it growing. It's a very wild-grown plant. It just randomly appears. Oftentimes is uh, called rye grass, but truly it's not even rye. It's a plant called darnel. Have you ever heard of darnel before? Not the guy on Channel 7 News, the weathercaster. I'm talking about the plant called darnel. It is um, when it's growing... It looks exactly like wheat. You can't tell it apart from wheat until the fruit starts to appear on the wheat and the fruit starts to appear on the tear. Then there's a noticeable difference. And it's interesting that Jesus would choose these two words because there's some unique qualities about wheat, which we will talk about. But as the wheat grows, it continues to grow up reaching towards the sky. The seeds start to form on the top of the plant, and they're almost like looking up towards the sky, whereas the tear will start to droop down. Still looks like wheat seeds, separated a little bit, not growing close together, and they start to droop down. And as wheat is ready for the harvest, it turns brown, tears turn black. So, To go along with this parable, when Jesus was saying, let them grow together until the end, he knew that people reading this would know that when we look at tares and wheat together, there's a couple of distinguishing things that we can tell about them. So we know which ones to gather for the fire and which ones to gather into the barn, the color of them and the fruit that they produce. I want to focus on the fruit that they produce today. 
An explanation of this parable is given to us in Matthew 13. If we read down a little bit further from what we just read, Jesus explains the parable to them, and he says that God is the one who sows the seed. He is the landowner who sows the good seed. The devil is the enemy that comes in and sows the tares among the wheat. And the wheat are the people of God who are born into righteousness, who are born again and know the kingdom of God and will be going to heaven. And the tares are the people of the enemy who were not born again, who have been who have been governed by the enemy their entire lives, and they will be thrown into the fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So which are we? Are we wheat or are we tares? We all want to be wheat, right? Of course we do. But there's some really unique things about these two plants. The hull, for example, in wheat, the hull, the, the stalk that comes up out of the ground and then the fruit comes out on top, is thicker in wheat than it is in tares. It's almost hollow inside in a tear, and it's very strong and secure in the wheat. The seeds of the of both plants are very unique as well. I did not know this. I don't know how I went 52 years, almost 53 years without knowing that a wheat seed has three parts. Did you know that? I'm sure you probably all did, but I did not know that. Three parts. That is unique. Why? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When we see the number three anywhere, we should think of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's three parts to the wheat. There's an outer part, which is known as the bran. That's the part that they strip off and they sell the Kellogg's to make bran flakes or General Mills or whoever makes that. Then there's the, the endosperm, which is the part that we eat in bread. And then there's the wheat germ, which is a tiny little part inside the smallest of the entire seed. And that's what reproduces new seeds if it were to fall to the ground and die and become a new plant. But I just thought it was very interesting that there's three parts to a wheat seed when there's three parts to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are body, soul, and spirit. So in many ways, Jesus knew what he was doing when he compared the wheat and the tares because he's trying to show us the life that we live in Christ through this parable. So now that we've got that taken care of, what, what can we say about this? How do we get closer to God with this particular passage? So this series that I'm doing right now is about the, is getting closer to God, to take religion out of our lives, to just focus on our Lord and what he has done and what he is asking of us and growing in our relationship with him. One of the think one of the most important things that we can say about this is that we are born with a body, soul, and spirit. When we come out of our mother's womb, we are body, soul, and spirit. That's the way God made us. Just as He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, He made us body, soul, and spirit. The problem is our spirit is dead. It has not been activated. It is it is dead. If we were to die without our spirit being activated, 
we would not go to heaven. Now, hold on. I'm not saying babies don't go to heaven. That's not what I'm saying, okay? And I think you all know that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is as we live our lives and we never have that spirit come alive, we die. That's it. We're done. We can't live if our spirit is not alive because our body will die. Our physical body will die. But our spirit can live on forever. And then our soul cannot be separated from our spirit. So when we are born again, our spirit becomes alive. And when we are born again, as Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3, that you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. That is by believing that Jesus died on the cross for us. Okay? So as a grain of wheat falls to the ground, as Jesus told us, and I believe it was Matthew chapter 5, that falls to the ground, it reproduces, okay? Because there's parts in it that make it able to, in a sense, be born again. There's parts in us, if we are like wheat, that can be born again. And that's our spirit that can be born into the kingdom of God. That is really the foundation. That's really all we need to know. Anything we add to that can be like wheat and tares. Wheat is something that is used for nutrition. It is something that this world would not be the same without. You know, another thing I learned this week, in 1930, it became a law that none of us can grow wheat in our backyard legally. Because of the times during the Depression and such, they made it so that wheat could be controlled by the government. So the government made a law that no one, unless they are approved by the government, and these farmers in Kansas and, and even throughout Ohio, are permitted to grow wheat, but they are controlled by the government. Did you know that one time, Belmont County had 200,000 acres that grew wheat? Yeah, it's all gone now. I don't know if anybody still grows wheat in Belmont County. Franklin County had even more. And then Columbus started building their city, and I don't think you can find any wheat farmers in Columbus anymore. Possibly, I don't know. But anyway, wheat is so important because it has nutrition and it sustains our life. The Holy Spirit is nutrition for our spirit and sustains our spiritual life. So before I go any further, I want to talk about this, first of all, the wheat seed, and then relate that to God and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the bran is the outer part of the seed, and that's where there's a lot of fiber. And then there's the endosperm, and that's the carbohydrates, the starchy material, that's the stuff that gets put into our flour when it gets refined. And then there's the germ, which is, has a lot of nutrients and a lot of fiber and a lot of real importance. But they all kind of need each other. They're in a communal relationship inside that seed. Okay? God, our Father, our Son, and our Holy Spirit have always existed, have always been in a communal relationship with one another. The Bible tells us that God is an unapproachable light. No man or woman can ever approach him as he is in this light. But he is also just like us 
in the form of us, in the, we were made in the image of God. If we want to see what God looks like, look in the mirror. Now, you're not going to get an exact representation, but you can see that because what he has done is takes this inapproachable light, separates out to a bodily form with the Holy Spirit being the Spirit within him, and he became Jesus. But never at any time were they ever separated, never at any time were they more than one person. They've always been just one. And that seed, as it grows, wheat seed grows, it is just one. And they, the three parts all work together to form that perfect wheat seed. The difference with tares is that it has something about it, and I don't know all the science of it, that there's this fungus that can infect it, okay? And when this fungus infects the seed of a tear, it becomes poisonous to human beings. In fact, if you eat it, you'll have symptoms of being drunk, slurred speech, possibly not able to walk real well, things like that. So we want to make sure we avoid ever eating tares or darnell because it's an infection that gets into us. So, as we are created by God to be good, there's an infection that has come into us. In a sense, we, are, we start out our life as tares. We are infected by sin. We still have a body, soul, and spirit, but our spirit is infected. And when we are born again, I'm not saying a tear can become wheat, but in spiritually speaking, our bodies are born like tares, but become wheat when we accept the Lord into our lives. So we become something that will live again, because if a grain of wheat falls to the ground, it will live again. We are something that is fruitful, and we are something that can be useful. But there's a problem with wheat. There's this stuff that covers the seeds, and in a sense, it's protection. Okay, it keeps it from, well, it keeps the birds from, from eating it all up, keeps the wind from blowing it all away, but it's not real strong, and the wind does actually blow it away after it's been separated from the hull. It's called chaff. If you read the Bible, God speaks about chaff a lot. It's that extra stuff that you don't need, that just, he separates it, burns it in the fire, he blows it away with the wind, it it's just not needed. Our bodies are like that in a sense. They're protection of our spirit and our soul. But we, in our flesh, will let things in to our spirit, into our soul, that's not good. It's chaff. We need to let God come into our lives when we're born again and then just get rid of all this stuff that we don't need. And I can't tell you what it is. It's different for everybody. For someone, it might be watching too much television. For someone, it might be sleeping too much. For others, it might be eating too much. For others, it might be things you find on the internet. Everybody's different. So I can't just give you a list and say, hey, take care of these things. We go to God who is in communion with Father, Son, and Spirit constantly. And he wants us to come into communion with him 
constantly. And that is where the relationship begins. So how do we do this? How do we keep this, this body of wheat that we have? This, we got this chaff that we know that God's just going to blow away at the end. How do we keep it pure? How do we keep that poison from coming in so that we look like Darnell instead of looking like wheat? Because the truth of the matter is, though we're not wheat or tares, we can become poisoned by this world and we can start to look like something that's not Christian, if you will. How do we do it? Through prayer, through reading the Bible, through worship. But wait, when I use those words, there is a spirit of religion that comes into our lives that says, here's how you do it. And all of a sudden, we got a list of things that we got to do when we pray. We got a list of things we got to do when we read the Bible. We got a list of things we got to do when we worship. God never gave us a list. When God said pray, when Jesus told us to pray, he taught us how the Lord's Prayer is actually a kind of a template, if you will, of how to pray, praising God, asking for forgiveness, asking for daily sustenance, keeping us from evil. It's a template. But even that can be anything at all. You could just be babbling, saying absolutely nothing at all, and God will honor that. We don't pray for other people to hear. We pray for God to hear. Whatever you pray, whenever you set set your mind that I am thinking and praying to God, I don't care what you say, how formal or informal you are. I don't care what words you use. God is honoring it, and it's a relationship. Think about someone that's close to you in this church, a friend, a spouse, cousin, aunt, uncle, grandmother, grandfather, whatever. Think of someone who's close to you in this church. When you talk to them, are you extremely formal and have to say a specific list of words to them? No. 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 I can't imagine what Tanya would say if I went, oh, my precious wife, how I love you and adore you. See, she's already got a funny look on her face. (laughs) You don't need those formal words. That's religion. I speak to her as a friend because she is my friend, my best friend. She's my spouse. She's my partner. I speak to her as such. That's the way we speak to God. I'm telling you, anything you say, when you your heart is set that you're speaking to God, doesn't matter how you say it. When you let those religious forms come in and you try to formal. Now, corporate prayer is a little different. You know, the prayers we say in church, that's a little different. I'm talking about that intimate prayer with God that you have alone with God. When you let that come in, God will still hear you. But God's shaking his head. You don't need to do that. Just be you and I'll be me and we'll be friends. Same thing with reading the Bible. You know, some people will tell you, well, I need to spend a half an hour just on these two verses. I got to get the essence of what God is saying to me when he said that day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. I'm going to spend a half hour. Why did Jesus sit by the sea? Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what God is having you do, contemplate why Jesus left the house and sat by the sea. 
Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you try to force that on someone else, you're injecting that poison that's in a tear. You're injecting religion into their lives. I can't tell you what I had for dinner two nights ago. If I really sit down and think about it, I might remember. But I know I ate something, and it fed my body. When I read that, I may walk away in an hour, might not remember any of it, but it fed my spirit. It fed my spirit. Whether you read one verse, two verses, or an entire chapter, daily, weekly, monthly, or listen to it, or have someone read it to you, however it may be, if you're taking that in in some form, you're feeding your spirit. You're feeding your relationship with God. And you see, the thing about wheat and tares is that they both have their roots in the ground. And that's where they feed off what's in the ground. And we're feeding off of our prayer, reading the Bible, our worship, praising God. We feed off all those things. And the reason Jesus said, let them grow until the end, I found this out the hard way. I planted a garden in 2000, planted corn, completely tilled up the ground. It was nice and fresh, planted corn and then some beans and carrots and potatoes. And a few days later, maybe a week later, I look, oh, man, there's a bunch of weeds in here. I let them go for a little while. And I said, this is kind of annoying me now. They're growing more and more. Started to pull up those weeds. And next thing I know, I realized just how shallow corn roots can be. If the raccoons didn't eat them, I pulled them up from pulling the weeds. Okay? They share the same ground. They intertwine. I once pulled a carrot out and found potatoes. That blew my mind. But anyway, what I'm saying is the reason God wants, there's two reasons God wants us to grow to the end. If he were to destroy all evil in this world, it's going to hit some of us too. It's going to hit the righteous people too. Sure, God can do surgical strikes, but that's not how he usually works. He's very quick. He's very poignant. He, matter of fact, when judgment comes, you'll know it. So he waits until the end so that when he pulls out the weeds, he's not uprooting the good crops as well. But also, as that wheat is growing, now wheat and tares cannot intermingle with one another and change one another, but we, as human beings, can change one another. We can either inject poison into each other's lives, or we can speak life into each other. It's our choice. The book of James tells us that there's great power in the tongue. You can curse someone with it, or you can speak life into them with it. I'm encouraging us all to speak life into one another. And how do we do that? Because we've we're, we got this sinful nature. You know, I'm not going to be nice to all of you unless Jesus jumps in and, and teaches me how to be nice, unless he changes my life so that I'm nice. Trust me, if you'd have known me 20 years ago, you probably wouldn't have liked me. I had a hot temper. I was mean. I, I was disrespectful to a lot of people. But Jesus changed my life through my relationship with him, through reading the Bible, through prayer, through worship, through fellowship with others. He changed my life 
and I became a better person. I started to produce good fruit. But if at that time, I was just firing off insults at other people and injecting poison into their lives that Jesus had to come and then clean out. And then finally he said to me, hey, you know, why don't you stop doing this? You're, hurt. You're, you're making my job harder. I don't want to make God's job harder. So what I'm saying is, as we grow together, we can make a difference in other people's lives. And it was a time when I would have said, get that person away from me. I want nothing to do with that person because they're evil. Now, I'm not saying that I will actively pursue and try to change someone. There are people who will do that. That's not everybody's calling. But we can, in little ways, make differences in people's lives, remove some of that poison. God's doing the work in us and through us, but we can make a difference. So that's why we grow together among the evil people of this world, so that we're not harmed when they're uprooted, and so in some way, maybe we can make a difference in somebody else's life. I've heard countless stories of how a smile or a single phrase changed someone, permanently changed them for the good. Those same things can be changed, can harm someone for the bad. We can do this. But as we grow, and as our fruit comes out and we start to see it, that's how we'll know the difference between a wheat and a tear. But if you see tares among you, try to turn them into wheat through the work of God working in you. Because that's going to not only help them, it's going to enhance your relationship with God. You're going to get closer to God. You're going to see God work. You're going to praise him more. God knows what he's doing. There's no doubt about it. As we grow, as we learn, we start to understand how to see, how to recognize, how to change. As we get closer to God, more and more will change. I don't care how old or how young you are, we can all make a difference if we let God make a difference first in our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your message that you've given to us through your word, through fellowship, through prayer. Lord, we thank you for all that you do. You change our lives in ways that we don't even always see. Thank you for teaching and guiding and directing us every step of our lives. Separate the chaff from us, Lord. Pull out the good seed and let us plant that seed in other people. Keep us from dispewing poison to others and remove any poison that's been poured out on us. Father, we just want to be closer to you. We want to know you better. We want to trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.